We have another interview with Warren Jeff's 65th plural wife next on Polygamy. What love is this? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Several months ago, we interviewed today's guest when she told part of her story of having escaped and, and uh, having been rescued as well from actual imprisonment in the FLDS uh, polygamous community on the Arizona-Utah border. And as is true with most of us, her story is an ongoing journey. And we hope to be able to share in her journey with you and our viewers as well as it continues. Um, it's quite a story, and uh, it's a story that's worth telling when it comes to the, the topic of polygamy. We especially applaud her endurance because she has braved through a very painful and long-term healing process uh, that few of us even can relate to. She still faces many challenges in that process. But she hasn't given up, and she isn't wallowing in a self-focused pity party but is doing what she can and is being active in helping the rescue efforts of others who need to be rescued from this mind-controlled polygamous environments that were set in motion by Joseph Smith. We would like to introduce now and welcome back a previous guest, Brielle Decker. Thank you for coming, Brielle. Thank you for letting me. And, and thanks for for your willingness to share your story. It's quite a story, ongoing. Yes, uh, yes, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been really um, good for me to see uh, a lot of different perspectives and uh, be out here in this world mm -hmm. is, is, is a experience that everybody should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly for polygamy, people who are born and raised in the confines of a polygamy environment, it's, it's kind of shocking sometimes for us as we begin to learn about the outside world, and, and yes. sometimes it can be pretty frightening as well. Now, what, what year did you leave? It was about, it would be six years in May, so I can't remember the dates. I'm not going to. Well, not the day, just the year. So it's been six years since you've been out. Yeah. Now, your birth name, the, the name, just for clarification for later on in the show when we talk about your book, uh, your birth name was Lynette Warner. Right. But you legally changed it. Why did you change it? I changed my name because I was being chased and I was, they were trying to, even though I was overage, they were trying to say that I was um, crazy and they had drugged me with doctors inside of the religion and I wanted to never have to worry about having a relapse and finding myself back there. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't want any risks and so I went through the process of of, a, of changing my social, my name and um, I got legally adopted in the end. We didn't, weren't really planning on that at first, but yeah. it turned but out when, that way. But once you changed your name, they quit chasing you. They just stopped. Yes. It, it ended. Yes, that's what I hear. I didn't realize that they were chasing me up to even clear to Tennessee until mm -hmm. recently. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. 
I don't. I know they know now that I went to Tennessee, so I don't know if they are saying that or if they actually made it to Tennessee. I don't yeah, know, but yeah. they said they chased me clear there, and then were told to turn around. Mm -hmm. But so, it would took, I was there for two years, so yeah, and and that was part of your journey, you know, part of your process as as you were learning about different things out in this big and bad you helped world. me a lot in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's what we want to do is be helpful. And, and continue to help people even a long time after they're out. And, and you've had a lot of resources, a lot of different organizations that's helped you, and that's what it's all about. Uh, we want to d discuss three important things that are going on in Brielle's life um, during this particular time. Uh, she's working with organizations that help people escape, and not only after they've escaped, but also to escape if they can. And she's working to educate those who are outside of polygamy who don't know or who don't understand that what is going on in polygamy is actually human trafficking. And you want to bring awareness to that. And then she's working on a book, writing a book, telling her story of abuse and mind control and imprisonment and the evil doctrines taught by Warren Jeff. So uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that book as well. But let's begin with Warren Jeff's doctrine of pedophilia. Now, we were having a conversation earlier this week, actually, and in that conversation, uh, Brielle mentioned that the reason that, that pedophilia is so widespread in the FLDS these days is because it's part of their doctrine, and uh, that Warren Jeffs actually made pedophilia doctrinal. So I said, we need to talk about this, and that's what we're going to do. She said that it's because it is doctrine that... Um, that the, the she was there when the doctrine was discussed. That it, it that's not hearsay. It's not just something that no, you heard or it's made not up. From a bishop, you were there. Yeah. So tell us about that. Tell us what happened. Tell well, us, I was I was sitting in a in a in a training. I don't know if they know what training. You know, have you discussed that before? Well, you you might want to bring it up to the reiter yeah. the reiteration of their doctrine constantly. So they called it a training every morning and every evening we'd all sit through and listen to the reiterated doctrine of the interpretations of Warren Jeffs and the leaders before him that they recognize. Um, I was sitting in a training and Warren Jeffs was there and he was leading it and he read about the story. It's kind of a famous story among fundamentalists um, about Heber C. Kimball Going in and um, Joseph, going to see Joseph Smith, and Joseph Smith telling him that he needed to give up his wife to Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And so he fasted and prayed for many days. He brought his wife to Joseph Smith and submitted to the to give her up. And Joseph Smith told them both that they had passed the test and sealed them for time and all eternity together. And then at the end of his whole story, that's kind of a common story, Warren Jeffs inserted that their daughter, Helen Mark Kimball, was married at 12 years old to Joseph Smith. And that's the story that Warren Jeffs told the people. Told us, told the, the elite. The people, it's not right. common doctrine among, I mean, among the whole group because only the elite get to know about yeah. the so, elite stuff. So he used Joseph Smith's experiences to bring forth the doctrine into the FLDS, but he changed that. Yes, because that, that's not that. how that's it what happened. I hear, yes, yeah, he was. Um, I I heard from you that um, the the records that they have, the old records that they have of 
the polygamy and the things that we've been able to gather. Mm -hmm. She was actually 14. She was 14 when he married her, according to all of the information that we have, yes. And, and he married a couple of other young girls. He married a 16-year-old and another 14-year-old, too, as well. Uh, but they weren't 12. Right, and, and that, in those days, as far as the laws went, as far as I understand, they, um, with parental consent, they could get married at that age. Well, that's something that we'd have to look into as right. far as state by state. Um, yeah. How that worked back then, I'm not even sure. Without legally, the twelve years old and stuff be, that right. we have nowadays. But then Warren Jeffs would have tweaked that as well. Yeah, he, he takes everything he to the extreme. It. Yeah. He's a pedophile, and he wants that, and so he, he, he just took it to the extreme that uh, to tell us that it's okay. God commanded this. So because, and, and he proved it by Joseph Smith, using Joseph yes. Smith as the example. Yes. And, and so at that time, then he instated, he, 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 he actually brought in the pedophilia into the marriage practices of the FLDS? Well, he had already started to, he right, was just explaining. I'm, I'm talking how, about yeah. making it doctrine. Yeah, he, that's when he was putting it in the doctrine. So it's in, a, in the elite groups, but everybody that is going uh, forward in that group has to eventually accept the elite doctrine. So it's in their doctrine. Uh -huh. They're not going to be accepted into the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom unless they accept the elite doctrine. The doctrine. So, so they, so then he'd been taking young girls even before that. He what just if, didn't explain it to us until then. What yeah. about the other men? What about the elite men? Are, are had they taken young girls before that, or did they yes. start taking at that time? We had seen him. He introduced me to a few of his young brides. I saw. I knew his young brides, and one of them's out and talks now. She's on that. Prophet of Evil the other night mm -hmm. um, interview, but yeah, that sh that um, so I saw him. I was introduced to him, but I asked. I remember thinking, "What are the laws here?" And somebody said, "Oh, they're sixteen. No, they didn't say sixteen. They says no. They are. Um, it's it's legal here because it's Texas." And I found out later it was 16. So you, but so I you were down in the, the, the YFC ranch at that time? Yes. Go, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was, that it was, that they had changed it to 16. Uh-huh. Because at first when they went there, it was 14, I believe. Well, that's something else we'd have to look into. I think I'm Texas really sure was 14 that. and then they changed it to 16 later on. I know on. Utah changed theirs from 13 to 16 without, even with parental consent. Yeah. After There's a lot of details that go into yeah. the law and see I wasn't I, I've just heard things, I haven't ever checked into it, but Right. So um so he he said Helen Mark Kimball was twelve and so therefore it's okay because uh, and you know, and this is a perfect example of what Jesus said when he said uh, uh, by the the fruits of the false prophets we shall know them and, and Joseph Smith's fruits are showing through just right there. He's using Joseph Smith's behavior uh to even bring about his own behavior. So that's what God wants. Uh, but what about the 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 daughter, the, the, these little girls that are married? Their their body. He he takes them right when they come into pre puberty, right? Right. He he would talk. He didn't put this in the doctrine really because it's not really doctrine. But he he would talk about how God made us, God built us, and so I, I think he was referring to when the children's periods and things start. 
But he never talked about the brain and the psychological and the things that I've learned since mm -hmm. and how the brain actually doesn't even form all the way. The, in well, the yeah, the maturing process this is, continues. But it has physical symptoms until you're 18. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. So that was really interesting to me. I'm like, oh, well, God made us, but he also made us. <laughs> he made our brains, too. So, Right, and even at that, when a girl reaches puberty, she's still maturing. It's, it's still a process that doesn't even come close to being completed at that time. It takes several years, the teenage years, to mature to adult. And he would tell us how... He, I think this was in one of his sermons, how the girls in the priesthood are, they mature faster than people out in the world because oh, they're sheltered. And <laughs> oh, that's, that's evil. That's, that is way wrong. So, and you, uh, so he systemized pedophilia. He systemized trafficking, the trafficking of, of these young girls. Yes. Warren Jeffs did. He organized it and, and, uh, from Canada to... Utah and Texas. Well, I'm sure that every father that was required to choose between giving up their daughter or giving up their entire family, because that's one of the rules is that appointed marriage, everybody, even their wives are gifts from God. And mm -hmm. if they turn away from any requirement, they could lose their entire family. So it's like a choice mm -hmm. between giving up their daughter to marriage at a young age or else their whole entire family may not be able to protect any of yeah. the daughters. Maybe. So when that happened, I'm sure that they were given that elite training yeah. when the fathers were making that yeah. choice. Some of them yeah. I heard took a day, sure, I'm sure. a whole day, to just just in tears that they were even being asked mm -hmm. to do something like that. And doctrine equals behavior. And we've seen the behavior. We've seen the fruits of this, of all the sexual, the ritual sexual abuse that has been going on uh, in the FLDS. Now, you suffered abuse as a child, and you're going to uh, include some of these things in your book. And of course, we only want you to talk about what you you've, are comfortable talking about. But and, and we don't want to tell the whole story anyway, because we want people to read your book when it comes <laughs> out. But let's briefly talk about your abuse. So you were firsthand experienced it. Who abused you when you was a child? Uh, it was my brother, the same brother that locked me up and is still in the cult. But he... Uh, he was only 12 at the time. He was 12. How old were you? I was eight. Did he abuse your other siblings? Yes. I had a sister older than me and a sister younger than me that were also abused at the same time when I was. And then I found out later that my older sister and him had already been caught and all of that. So that was really hard for me through growing up. I, I had a barrier that I had kind of built against my mother mm -hmm. because I felt like if your child's struggling, then you should probably watch them closer because mm -hmm. it went on for way too long. Uh -huh. And um, So your mother knew or didn't know? Or she knew that he was struggling mm -hmm. yeah. because they, they had been caught before I was ever even brought in. Mm -hmm. But she, um, she had 14 children, and, you know, I don't know. I don't justify her, but I, I know that she... she cries you all just, the time now. <laughs> you just understand more where she's coming from. Than, yeah, uh, she's than really, really hurt. Time. But, yeah. And, and so, so she didn't know that you were actually, the abuse was going on quite as intense as it was? Well, she, she knew about it before we were, me and my little sister were pulled in. 
And then when we were pulled in, then I had a thought come to me one day that was just reminding me that I was supposed to tell if anybody did this to me. Mm-hmm. So I ran to my mother and told her, and my father was there. And they took us all individually in and talked to us. And then my older sister came to me after, and she's like, it's not going to stop. We've already had this happen. He comes back. Mm. And so I took my little sister and went in there and kind of, I, I had an experience I don't know how to explain. I just remember thinking, why did I say that? But I walked in and I, I told him what, exactly what he needed to hear so that the, lit, the weight that he was carrying it, because in the, in the Mormon faith, and I believe in the Mormon faith, and the offshoots, they believe that at eight years old, you become accountable. Mm-hmm. So he was carrying this weight out of his curiosity that he would be damned forever. When I walked in and I said, let's do it again, he said, you will, be, you will suffer from this for the rest of your life. If I would have begged him to stop, he would have just laughed at me. If I would have commanded him to stop, he would have just been angry with me. Mm-hmm. But because I lifted that weight off, like God lifted it off. Kind of an emotional thing for him. Then he, yeah. he stopped. Yeah. He just, he never came back. He blamed it on me and I was willing. So I you remember. were the scapegoat, the willing scapegoat. Get, yeah, get because I was stop. younger and I was like, yeah. my sister needs this. Like, yeah. So I yeah. just accepted that. What a burden for children to carry around. So is Warren Jeffs, uh, we know he raped, uh, you know, he, he, he even said that he had abused and molested his daughters and his sisters. And Brett Jeffs wrote a book where he raped him when he was a, te- a kindergartner and his, also his brother. I, my statement is, is that the children are carrying a lot of the weight for the things that the, the brainwashing that the adults are going through. Yeah. And that's why I feel like children because especially nowadays, like Warren Jeffs has set it up to where he has say where everybody lives in the whole culture. Mm-hmm. He tells the children where to live, where the mothers get to live, where who gets to stay around and who doesn't. Yeah, so he's still reassigning the families. So the ones that are struggling stay. The one, you know, like it's it's just so sad to think that those children are carrying the weight mm-hmm. for what those. Yeah, the, yeah. the brainwashing, yeah. and I don't think it's fair to those children. Yeah, it's not at all, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Right now, let's talk about your book that you, uh, yeah. you're in the middle of writing. It's a, it's a book. Uh, actually, you're, you have a, a writer helping you through it, Maddie um, Ivy Harrison. I wanted to mention her name. But anyway, the, the title of the book is Rescued. And, and restored. restored, and we have a, a picture on the screen of that's a beautiful uh, picture for your book cover. Uh, and the first two chapters have been released on Kindle, uh, and it's kind of a rough draft, it's kind of a teaser, you know, and you're still working on the rest of the book. Uh, but we wanted to talk about that a little bit, and I have a couple of quotes too from the first chapter. When do you expect your book to be finished? Um, I hear it takes longer than expected. Some people say that just to get a big publisher and agent is a year and then they take a year after that. So it mm-hmm. could be a while, but mm-hmm. most people are telling me you need to make sure that you're really really grounded. Mm-hmm. So you're, that so you're you're confident so in your direction in, and everything. In, in in the text in the actual telling of your story. Yeah, and the yeah. whole thing like I need to I need to really think about it mm-hmm. and 
and I should be I should take the time to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm really considering that because so it's another process in your journey. Yeah. Yes. Have you found it difficult to uh, write parts of uh, parts of your book, like you're reliving some of the terror that you went through? Yes, I have. I have uh, days where I'm I'm still like. I kind of disassociate when I go into a relapse, uh -huh. so I, I have the beginning signs of those, and I have to just sit there and yeah. hold off, and yeah. then I write some more and hold off, you know, like because yeah. I have to get through it. I'm sure. I, I feel like it's very important to be kind of the. I want to be like the voice for the children that are too hurt to talk. And and I, you know, and and I believe that that's what where you're being led. I believe God is leading you in that direction, and and where He leads, of course, He will supply. I want to quote uh, where she begins in the book, um, and this is how you begin, first chapter. Quote, I was married at 18 to Warren Jeffs on January 9th, 2003. I had just returned, I had just turned 18 years old. I was born and raised in the FLDS religion. So uh, here you are, all of a sudden you're going to get married. You're 18 though, I mean that's bad, but the the way it worked, but it's good that you weren't 13. When right, he, when my he father decided. helped me with you're, that, what, what he could at the time. So he, To keep you from getting married too young. Yes. Well, that was good. That's not Yeah, I had friends normal. that were married at 16 and different things, and my mm -hmm. father wasn't really willing, so yeah. that he protected me, yeah, which was a blessing. That, that's very good. Um, you didn't know in advance that you were going to get married that day? I didn't. Okay, let's quote again from chapter one, what she says about that. Quote, my father walked into the family room. I did not think anything of it at first. My back was to the doorway, but I still heard my mother when she screamed, no, this was the moment that would change my life forever. My father was flushed with emotion, but he said calmly, come, let's go on a drive, Lynette. <laughs> and that did change your life. That's, yes. That's, that's when you found out. You woke up that morning, it was your wedding day, and you didn't even know it. Right. I, I had a whole, it talks about the whole, a whole day planned. And it was like 10 o'clock at night or something, though, right? this actually happened. And so I had no idea up until the time that that happened. My father walked in that it was going to be that day. And he knew that he had turned me in. So he had written a letter stating to the to Warren Jeffs that, that I was now 18, I guess, and, and, you know, he he said I was, you know, he didn't have, he felt like I was ready to go move on in my life if if he felt like I was, or mm -hmm. something like mm -hmm. to that effect. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he actually said, but the letter is to recommend your daughter for marriage, mm -hmm. yeah. and he told me on the drive over there that that he had written that letter that very morning. That morning, and so Warren Jeffs just called you right in. Yeah, and that doesn't always happen. But. Did, did your father have a clue? I know you didn't, but did he know that Warren Jeffs would claim you to be his wife? He didn't. He actually has told me since, why did it happen like that? Mm. You know, like, why? Because when I went in there, I actually felt really, really trapped emotionally from everything I'd heard and everything. And Warren Jeffs put the burden on me to say something about it, mm -hmm. even after all the grooming and everything I went through. And so I... Um, I said, I, I, he asked me if I had an impression and I didn't know how to get around it because I felt like there would be a repercussion for whatever I said. It wasn't really a good answer, but I knew if I said anything against what he had groomed me for, he would think I was lying. Yeah. 
and then I would get a repercussion for that. And so I was choosing between which repercussion I wanted. Yeah. And because I didn't know enough about marriage, I went that route. But my, um, my father asked me since, why did you say that? You know, and I'm like, I felt trapped. Like I tried to explain it to you, but you know. Yeah, and you were trapped, and and so and so. But you have to read the book to find out the rest of the story. And we've only got a couple of minutes left, so let's get into what you're doing right now. You're you're to actively reach out and educate the public and and other things. What's going on? What are you doing? I I am I I do public speaking, and I I reach out to explain how to help. I want people to know how to, how, what they can do to help. And the main thing is, is they, is like funding, like mm -hmm. funding for all these organizations that are out there helping. And yours is major one that helps me even to this day mm -hmm. from the very beginning, pretty much. And then my adoptive mom and Dream Center. Mm -hmm. So the Dream Center, I don't know if you want to... Well, let's, if you can do it quickly, we, we don't have a whole lot of time yet, but please, yes, tell us what the Dream Center is. So the Dream Center is, uh, I went and got Warren Jessel's house. The state has taken over his land because he's in prison for life in 20 years now mm -hmm. because of these underage brides. And I went and got his house and sold it to the Dream Center, who's like going, turning it into like a crisis house for people that are... Trans mm -hmm. first coming out in, and trying to find their way out into the world. Right. So and it would be a safe, a safe haven for them, plus a, a, a rehab for them too. Yes, and if they talk to like you or holding out help, then those are long-term plans for mm -hmm. host homes and adoption and whatever it takes to get these people. And, and you also help. want to educate others that this is trafficking. Yes. That this is actually trafficking that they're involved in, not just the FLDS, all the polygamy groups and underage uh, marriages. Yes. Even overage if it's for sex purposes. Yes, it's definitely polygamy and trafficking go hand in hand, and there's a whole poem and things I wrote about that that describe the steps and everything because it matches the law. Like you bring in the law and what they require to be trafficking and considered trafficking, and then polygamy has mm -hmm. those same factors especially in what I know about it so right, right. yeah and so and so you're talking publicly to different groups of people around the area even outside of the area and you're doing interviews on the internet and, and other places that magazine articles I've read several of those that you've done as well so you're getting the word out Brielle that's really <laughs> wonderful we all each of us helping and and each little part that we can do and you've lived it Yes. And recovering. I, yes. It. Yes, it's ongoing. I have a blog called um, bloggingwithbree, B-R-I dot com. Bloggingwithbree.com. Okay. And, it, awesome. and it tells a lot of my journey. It's called Growing Step by Step. And yeah. So Good. I try Okay, to well, Brielle, we want you back again, especially as your journey continues and when your book comes out. So uh, thank you for coming. Appreciate talking to you again, and it's wonderful to see you, uh, you and, and what's going on in your life. And, and you know, when we all think that we, what we choose to believe in is the truth, at least the truth for us. If we had our way, we would persuade others to believe our way as well. Most of us would if we could. But this culture that embraces Joseph Smith as being the greatest of importance, next only to God, believe that their prophet is God's mouthpiece for truth. 
and uh, he's even more important actually than reading God's word. But the only way anyone can know if they really have the truth is to honestly study opposing views using reliable resources. resources. Well, Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our minds, and yet polygamous and even Mormonism discourage independent thinking. And so we must ask, why aren't more people using the minds God gave them to discover the truth that God gave them? See you next time. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.